picking it up for today's teaching in the 12th verse, but I'm going to just go a little bit lower. Just pick it up at verse 13 with me. You'll see the correlation shortly with the title, Devoid of Understanding Makes Void Our Standing. And that's coming up. But everything does have a relatability to the verse preceding it, to the one that follows it. This book is intended to challenge us in both our thinking and our rethinking. It is a moral book, meaning that it has contrasts of what we do in the carnal, what we are challenged to be in the spiritual consequences that happen when we are easily persuaded to make choices that are contrary to God's will, blessings that are afforded when we choose to make God central and to be able to honor and please him. So beginning in this verse in particular, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. It seems to me just a very intriguing verse, and it's one that invites, in my opinion, just a little bit of play on words, because we see that in our house in Congress, we have really a fractured system of governance. It was never intended to be that, but I do believe it has been as a result of this verse that is now animated in our Congress. We have one of those, which is called the house, and with it, there is the power of the purse. There's the Senate. They both have distinct roles to play with one another, and each one has a particular power that they can also subdue to the others. It's called a check and balance in our system. It's to be coordinated with the executive branch and the judiciary. And all of these branches right now, it would seem, have been infected with a moral decline. It's not saying that it's always been perfect, but it does, in my opinion, reflect highly that somehow, some way, along the way, the Lord was forsaken. And the implementation of laws which were to be for civil benefit began to be for personal benefit and party power. Can we change things? We can. One of the first changes that can take place that's been given to us as a charge and a privilege, I believe, and also I think an act of discipleship is to take then the spot of one who has not been in the position to bless God for what he has given to them. That happens in our country in the voting system. Very often we vote colors or animals. I just say vote what God has said in his word is the mark of excellence and pleasing to him with those who have been raised up to exercise in lawful, civil order. That's what governance is. 
And so as we look at this, it's saying that the reward, if you would, for one who rewards evil is contrary to what they think they're going to get, but what the people inevitably suffer under. And that's why when we're in Second Kings, we've been tracing the lineage of corruption that continued to just manifest exponentially and make things very bad for everyone else. It says that evil will not depart from his house. That's kind of scary. We know that in and of itself, you know, evil does not have a sustaining qualification. In other words, it simply can take the place of what has been voided or what has no longer held its position. And that is what I would tell you is our position with God as a nation, as individuals, as those who have civil responsibility. We've done things to make the process easier and more convenient. Very few of us can remember the days that you took yourself in a car or you walked to a polling place and you voted with the machine that your hands had to touch and the ballot was in your hands. And before you got to that station, you passed through some security checkpoints coming in. I know this well because as a public educator, usually our forums, areas within our school, would be designated as voting areas. And so there were always tables. I also remember security officers at the door. And I remembered that you didn't get your ballot unless your face on your card was in agreement with the information that they had at the desk concerning the region that you were from, the citizenry that you had, the address that said this is where you live. And I remembered that all of those things had to be passed by me in order to take that pen and make a decision, in my opinion, for civility and ultimately for God. So we've made things easier. And I do believe the intention wasn't initially wrong. What I believe is that evil has taken advantage by reason of the corrupt heart of men to have power and not to have power over them, but to be the power over others. What we want to remind ourselves is that when we look at the distinction between ourselves and old Israel, they got themselves into a mess because what they chose to do was to say, we want to be like other nations. We want to have a king. We do have implication that God's heart was offended. Samuel was the one that felt the sting the most because he took it personally that his prophetic office had been denied by the people. And God just kind of spoke to him and said, they're rejecting me, Samuel. That's what you're seeing right now. The rejection is 
of me. And so as a result of that, I will step back and I'll bring someone forward that in their eyes will meet every need. According to their heart, this is the man. And we will see what they think about it as you then must be able to tell them what will happen to their sons and to their daughters, to their lands and their crops and their homes. Because there's going to be something that they will have to give up that I've never required selfishly for myself because I'm a God that has blessed the people. And so you'll remember that story, but it's important to understand that in the same way, we have done no less except to say, we don't want God over us. We don't even want God around us. In fact, we're doing pretty good without God. Now, if we could just get rid of the other elements that are impeding our progressive desires and keeping us from the rights that we want to exercise. And it goes through all of these, if you would, social litanies of experimentation and basically permissiveness to live in a society that is unconstrained and that as a result wheels and acts to the tree. Fruit that we ought to be enjoying in a life that God has given to us governmentally becomes rotten and there's no fruit that comes from it. I think there's opportunity to change. I think that, as you might recall, a church back in the mid-70s, Jerry Falwell, had his heart touched to be a motivation through the church to change the process of politics and his particular political but highly spiritual organization was the moral majority. It did have an effect for a very important season, but it wasn't effectual ultimately in defeating evil or the sinister plans of people that said, yeah, we're going to not exactly yield to those guys. In fact, we're not even going to tolerate them anymore. And then there was a recoil of the church because there was a pressure put on the church to not meddle in affairs that weren't theirs to meddle in. And so it was marginalized and it was attacked. And so as a result of that, if you would, we're kind of a remnant on the social scene. From God's perspective, though, we're a mighty army and that's what we need to understand is that a result it ultimately results in a change that God can use for a harvest yet to come. I do believe we are going to see a harvest and hopefully it's not ballot harvesting. <laughs> Who thought of that one? I had to walk to the poles backwards in the snow. No, well, I did. Not really. Yes, I did. I'm lying. I'm not lying. I'm trying to get out of this spin. We had to take ourselves to the polling station, is what I'm saying. And rain wasn't an excuse, and snow wasn't an excuse, and fatigue wasn't an excuse. You were expected to be there. 
I still remember my parents as I was young in the voting process, they weren't. And they said, Rich, the polling stops like at eight o'clock or something like that. Have you gone down there yet? Well, no, I'm almost, I'm almost ready. No, no, no. Almost doesn't count right now. Whatever you're doing, you need to stop and get down there now. So being 18, 19, you know, we were in between both college and I was an older senior, so it was serious stuff. You're not going to tag them in the last second of the last minute. You're getting down there now so that your ID can be checked and you'll be ready to have your thoughts cleared and you'll be able to make a decision that's important right now and where this country's going. And that was my mom and dad training us for that. So this being said, and I think it's very timely placed as far as where we're at, I really do pray that we're a church that is not divided on issues in which God says, I don't think that way about it. I don't think that way about the life within a woman in her womb. I don't think that about parenting. I don't think that about gendering. My word's very clear on what life is intended to both be, and it's very clear on how it starts, and I'm into that. We don't have to be confused. Unfortunately, appeasing evil, inviting evil in, we are now very confused as a nation, and the young people below us are asking, what is that about? And so I wanted to simply just camp there to be able to say, we have rewarded evil, not us intentionally, but those who have responsibilities to guard us from it, and it's to appease it, and it's to change the attitude and heart of individuals with regard to what at one time would have been fearful to ever permit evil to have permission to govern us. It has. Evil will not depart from his house, our house, the house in which legislation takes place, our house, the house in which one person elected as an executor of the nation makes decisions for us among all the nations of the earth, our house, the judiciary, in which those men and women are to be saying things that are biblically accurate in their assessment of prudence, jurisprudence. They're not compromising. They're not giving their opinion. They're rendering an opinion that is hedged in proven law, that is established in biblical morals and ethics. It's, it still astounds me that on a Senate inspection, for one question that could not be answered, why was not disqualification summoned? Can you tell me what a woman is? Well, you know that. Uncalled for, unacceptable. I don't get it. But God does. God does get it. And there can always be change of that person to what actually God does say, biologically, inarguably, unapologetically. Moving forward, which I hope we get to do as a nation, but I also hope the church is prepared for, 
in the time in which the Lord says, I'm ready for you. Come on up. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. There's three things right now that are being focused. One, strife, contention, and a quarrel. And so it would seem to be that each stage magnifies the problem more greatly. So what we're supposed to recognize is when is it that strife comes in to our life? And usually that word can be associated with a friction point of some type. It's just different. It's when perhaps by something said, although not necessarily, or something that you feel that isn't spiritual, it's carnal, there's something that's nagging. And it says that as a result of the beginning of strife, it is also like the breaking, if you would, of a dam. There's a release. The only thing that's holding back the power of water in a dam is the structure that encases it, that is designed actually to withstand the force of it. And so even with the best dams, there can be at times cracks and fissures, which when water has its way at the volume with which it would be released, it's devastating. So we have little, if you would, cues from God that says there's a fissure there, there's a crack there. There's the release because of what this is saying, strife, and it will cause major consequences if you do not do something about it. And we've seen civil engineers brought in to rectify problems like that. The thing is that God says, as we call out to him, you're my civil engineer. I am? Yeah. How do I do it? Why don't you ask me? Okay, I'm asking you. You know, ask me properly. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Uh, you mean wisdom, Lord? Yeah. The sin issue is one thing, and obviously in this situation, Richard, the strife is because of personalities that are subject to the sin nature that do have friction points that can be identified as strife. What are you going to do? Lord, I need wisdom then. I need wisdom that I'm not striving. I can be convicted on principles, but there's a manner by which my convictions can stand morally and ethically up to the strife of another, that friction. I can, I can ease that friction. That's a work of the Spirit to make me very specially equipped to not let it ruin anything beyond this strife. It moves into this area of stop contention. And so that's almost presenting itself as the fisticuffs. That's where somebody says, let's get up our dukes and box this out. That contentious part of it means that somebody's going to make a move that will indeed cause offense, damage in some context, harm, hurt. And so the Lord is marking this in scriptures that in this stage, it's only going to get more difficult. So you don't volunteer yourself for that purpose. 
if necessary, you walk away from it if you lack the skills as a statesman to be able to put that other party at rest. That's what you do. Because what happens then is the quarreling, and that's when both parties are at work in working on each other, the win. I'm going to win at any cost, and I'm going to satisfy my desire over this situation, this contention, this strife. I'm going to win. And so, you know, one of the things that we can find is that even in situations right now, I don't know if you guys suffered it, but I had trees that snapped at my place. And those trees, God was with us on, at least on our property, because could have taken out our house, could have taken out the neighbor's house. And I really needed to appeal to the Lord for what it was I could do that it didn't turn into something that was per se in the area of one, a litigation. So the right hand of fellowship was extended, calls were made, and I had the privilege of just having some godly people come into the scene and be able to bring comfort to the neighbor that had actually, because of our tree, a property demise, a woodshed. And because I was aware of it through phone calls that took place, I did everything that was both reasonable and exceptional to appease. Phone calls were made, got a text from one person in the household, the wife, and it was on this level. I want to thank you guys for doing what you did it was amazing, so impressed with you helping us out. Can't say enough about that, something to that effect. And I thought, Lord, thank you. Thanks. And you have to understand, what when you're a pastor, it's the church also that gets related to it. You just need to know that. I can be a pastor and a neighbor, but if I do something as a neighbor that ticks them off. It's the church that gets blamed for it. Just wanted to thank you for taking the blame for me and also being congratulated for the blame that you do not receive, nor have I received. But that was because in a moment of realizing how important this was, I took this scripture to heart and I asked God for the help to get her done. Almost there. Perhaps in your life right now, these things may be something that is potentially where you're at. The strife, the contention, and the quarreling. God says, ask me for wisdom and watch yourself. Then you can watch me do what you cannot do. In verse 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike, are an abomination to the Lord. And that's why when you hear things and when you witness things from Washington or your local governance, and you can say this does not line up with Scripture, there is not evidence of this being moral nor ethical in terms of where they're going, then you are able to say it's an abomination to the Lord. On any issue, it doesn't line up with Scripture. Found out that California 
wants to give those who are not citizens of the country first homeowners rights and privileges. And I'm going in this market, really, who would do that? Who would do that? People can barely afford a home, but all of a sudden we have laws that say you need to be a citizen to literally own a home. And there are people that want homes, but all of a sudden a financial concession is being made to put those who have come into a country that's sovereign and it's crazy, but somebody in office, yes, it's in California, thinks that's a brilliant idea. Why? I think there's an evil intention personally behind it. But nevertheless, these are the things you say, it doesn't make sense at all. It seems to almost fit that pattern of diversity and equity and inclusion. But God didn't make that up for secular purposes because God would say to us, we are diverse. I made you very unique. He would say with regard to that, I've also gifted you in diversity. You have my spirit that has given you gifts. You're as diverse as you could ever hope to be. Use them as what? Believers. Because the carnal man can't. When we look at these things that men try to pose as facsimilitudes or as close to the other as possible, it just doesn't work. The diversity would be best defined from God's heart as in the giftings that he always has wanted to engage us with. When we talk about the equitability, that is found primarily in the riches that God has given to us in Jesus Christ, period. But I want it in the treasury. We're rich in the treasury of the spiritual giftings and the blessings that God has afforded to us. Whatever that may mean to us on earth, this is the short tenure. Heaven is the eternal, long-term tenure. And Ephesians makes it very clear that we are rich Equity is in the Lord and his richness towards us and his love for us. And so that's something that we can say that is of God. The other is not. It's a social distortion and conformity that can never be lived out. It causes division. It is imbalanced. I think that that is very true. And so one of the things that we want to always do is say, this has to match up with Scripture, not just a social call. It has to match up with Scripture. That's what we desire. What do you do about the inclusion piece? You just talked about border jumpers. Okay, that's a social situation, and that's a civil matter. We've pretty much destroyed law enforcement because we have pretty much said we don't want you. That hasn't worked out really well. A lot of communities are groaning right now. Consequentially, that was actually a stupid, foolish decision to make. You're basically saying, do what you want, do your own thing. According to your evil intentions, have at it. 
And just like in Genesis, it's working. Destruction of social order. It was intentional by some group that got, if you would, their sinister plan enacted. But I'll close on this. If diversity is through the giftings, which we know God has made evident, Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians, the practicing of it. If equity is, in fact, the riches that we have in Christ and that one establishes us in an unprecedented time of just, wow, look at the dynamics that God has given us to appreciate within the church. Then for those who say, but I felt like an outcast all my life and I didn't have a functional family and I still feel alone, then the Lord would say, then come on into the church and sit a little bit longer because I include you in everything that's going on. Well, they're not really friendly. We're not perfect, but the Lord has included you in everything that's meaningful. When I sit in a chair by myself, I sit up here so I have quicker access to the front. I do not feel any less included in my family that's up on stage or Christy that's seated over there or any of them or any of you. It's just a momentary position that I take, but I'm here for the Lord. And when this is all through, I'm here for you. But my joy is actually, I get to see you guys here for each other. Sometimes the position that I take at the door, I laugh because it's like the Maytag repairman, the loneliest job on the earth. Why? Because you guys aren't leaving. And then that turns me into a police force later on. Guys, we really do need to get going here, okay? And that's the great thing is that you guys are the evidence that what is happening here according to the word does work.